0: Good morning, church. How's everyone this morning? Listen, I'm not gonna lie to you. Nine o'clock was a little rowdier than 1045, so let's try one more. How are you guys this morning? Good. Thanks, Bryce. Okay, so really glad to be with you this morning. I'm excited to dive into God's word together. My name is Pastor Trevor. I'm one of the pastors here at Mount Horeb, and it's an honor to be able to come and spend a little time with you this morning as we open up the scriptures and allow God to teach us something new Um, We've been in the middle of a sermon series called Stages. Has it been good for anybody? Has anybody enjoyed this series? I think it's been really, really great. Um, I've learned a ton uh, each and every week, either in preparation or from hearing from one of our communicators on a Sunday, and it's been an honor to be a part of it. And so this morning, um, we're going to look at a new stage, a new phase. Uh, This whole series is really looking at the fact that all of life happens in phases. We go from stage to stage, from one time of life to the next. And some of these stages happen naturally. It's a part of our development kind of as a human being. So the growth stage is kind of natural. When you're a kid, uh, you, you grow up. And as you get older, you enter into what we talked about last week, the exploring stage, discovering like, what we really truly believe, what we believe to be true about the world, what we believe to be true about God. And so, some of these stages happen as a part of our development. But we're also talking about in the series that the key to this whole series is that these stages don't just happen kind of one time within our life, but they actually happen in succession and multiple times in our life and different situations, different circumstances. And so this morning, what I really want us to do is this week and every week of the series to lean in to whatever stage we find ourselves in right now. Whatever God has brought us to, whatever has kind of like progressively happened within our life, where we find ourselves now, as painful as it might be, as wonderful as it might be, as difficult as it might be, as joyful as it might be, we lean into that and allow God to teach us something new today. Um, our family is experiencing kind of a new stage within our life, and so my son, my oldest son, is, was a fifth grader and has recently graduated and is now a sixth grader. Anybody else with like a new middle schooler in the house? It's like crazy. And so for us, it's been kind of a a sobering moment a little bit because we've been sharing pictures back and forth with each other of like when Eli was starting kindergarten and he was so cute and he listened to the things we said and didn't mouth off so much then. And it was like really good and really great. And then we were looking at pictures where Jenna, he took the succession, succession, multiple pictures. And the first one was a picture of when she went to the school for the first time, had her first guest name tag with a little frowny face because her kid was in school. And then the one she just took a couple days ago was the same picture of her last guest tag to the elementary school with a little frowny face because now her kid was no longer in elementary school. Kid was now a middle schooler. Like things are changing and they're changing quickly and it's a whole new stage for us, which means two things. Number one, I'm, I'm getting older. And number two, life happens, like right before our eyes. Life changes, and it moves, and it's going someplace, and so this whole series is about looking at this particular fact, and in order for us, no matter who you are and where you find yourself in your life right now, in order to find the soul of this season, we can't just wish it away. The temptation, even looking at these pictures, was to be like, oh, we would long for those days again. When Eli was a little boy, when our kids were younger, it was so good then. In some ways, the world was simpler then. It's much more complicated now, and so we're tempted to long for the past. But the truth is also, for some of us, we actually end up yearning for the future. This thing we're in right now is so hard, it's so difficult, it's so awful. If we could just get there, if we could get that place, then things would finally get better and things would change. And the truth is, both of those extremes, longing for the past, yearning for the future, It robs us of what today presents to us right here and right now. There's a gift that is today, and it's for you to lean into and to learn from. So no matter what amount of hurt this stage has, grief this stage has, perplexity, anticipation, hope, there's a lot offered to us by God to help us grow and to develop into the people that he wants us to be. So We've visited a couple different stages along the way in the past few weeks, and this morning I want to look at a new stage. It is the building stage, the building stage. Last week we talked about the exploring stage. This is the next natural progression to our life, which becomes the building stage now. and It's a time or times in our life when we utilize the resources, time, energy, and focus that God has given to us in order to dream, create, or construct. Whatever God has given to us, the building stage is when we use it to dream, create, and to construct. Maybe for some of you this morning, you're building a business right now. It's like where all of your focus and energy is going to. You're building this thing. Maybe you're building a family perhaps right now. Maybe it's a ministry that you're building or perhaps a relationship that you're building right now. And this stage of life is a reality because ultimately you are created in the image of a builder God. God himself is a builder. All throughout the scriptures, from Genesis to Revelation, we see over and over again that we have a God who is a builder, a constructor, a dreamer. In fact, in Genesis, in the very beginning, when God creates everything that we know and see, from the vastness of space to the intricacies of the human body, God has made it all, and he created it, constructed it, and spoke it into being. In six days, he made it and created all of it, and then he rested our God is a builder God. Not only that, he didn't stop there. God continued to build. He built relationship with Abraham in order to bring a promise into the world to restore all that had been broken. He built relationship with a man named David and built an earthly kingdom. He, he ultimately, he built what would ultimately be the response to sin by sending his son Jesus to the earth. He built a place where we will one day spend eternity if we have faith, hope, and trust in him. God is a builder God. He's been doing it for a long time. So we should not be surprised when we find ourselves wanting to build something, create something, something that matters, something that lasts. It's in your nature, it's in your DNA because you are made in the image of God. God has placed it inside of you. From the very beginning when he gave the first mandate to humankind to multiply and to be fruitful in Genesis 1, and then also to steward and govern all that God has made in Genesis 2, we have a builder God who has instilled it inside of us. So to really get at this idea, though, though it shows up multiple times in the scripture, I'm actually kind of surprised how many times this language, this thematic kind of nature, this way of talking about the kingdom shows up all throughout the Bible. There's one place in particular I feel like it's very, very clear. We need look no further than the Apostle Paul. He speaks to it in multiple different places, this idea of building and investing in the scriptures, and maybe most clearly in 1 Corinthians. You see, Paul is writing of the early church in Corinth, and he's he's writing them in particular about this stage, about the forming and building. You see, Paul has been spending much of his life, as he writes this letter, building, forming, and launching churches all over the ancient Near East, taking what Jesus has done as his life, death, and resurrection, and now instilling it in other people, and he's been putting in the work. He's been growing churches here, there, and writing letters to continue to encourage them. And he is acting in the image of God by being a builder, something that would far outlast him. And the fact, the fact that we are sitting here this morning would point to the fact that Paul gave the effort to build what he built. He's a builder in the image of God. So I wanna read for you in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10 through 11. Here's what Paul writes then with this context in mind. He says, by the grace God has given to me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is now building on it, but each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one that has already been laid, which is Jesus Christ. So the first two verses, Paul says a few very important things. He is dealing with a very important aspect of the building stage. He's dealing with the foundation doesn't matter what kind of building you're building or what you're constructing, the foundation is the most key. It is the structural integrity of the building. It's the lasting strength, and it depends solely on the quality and the substance of the foundational work that has been laid. So Paul says, I've done a lot of work here. I've laid a strong foundation, and not only that, but there are others now who are building on top of my blood, sweat, and tears, and he welcomes it. But then Paul says this, But there is no foundation that could or should be built other than the one who is Jesus Christ. This is foundation. You see, when we find ourselves in a season or a stage of building, no matter what is receiving our time, attention, energy, and affection, if we build on anything other than the foundation of Jesus, it is shifting sand. So maybe even this morning, you're investing heavily in this particular thing. Like it's getting so much of your attention, so much of your focus, whether it is a relationship that you're wanting to grow, a family that you're just beginning to start, a business that you wanna see thrive, a social media presence that you wanna have some kind of significance within. No matter what you are building right now, Paul would say, if you are building that on a foundation other than Jesus, for him and through him, then it is shifting sand. And it cannot carry the weight of the thing that you are trying to build You see, this whole series has been talking about there's been a progression to our lives from one stage to the next. There's work that must be done in the nurturing stage to be able to allow you to be in the growth stage. And from the growth stage, you must have work that is done in order to be in the exploring stage. And in order to be in the building stage, there's a foundation that must be laid in order to handle what is being built. And Paul says there is no foundation that should or could be laid other than Jesus Christ. No matter what you are building, if you are leaving a legacy, something that will outlast you, Jesus must be the foundation. It reminds me like uh, building Legos. Anybody in the room have kids that love or love to build Legos? My, yeah, you do love building Legos. When my sons were little, they loved Legos. It was like a, a, a great time for hours to lay on the carpet and build stuff. It was one of my favorite things as a dad. And so I would be guilty of buying lots of Legos because I loved sitting with my kids and building this stuff. And the way it kind of worked in the very beginning was it was the same way every way, every time. We would open the box, and what I would do is I would look a few steps ahead, and I would find all the Legos that were gonna be necessary for those three steps, and I would lay them out for the boys, and they would grab them, look at the picture, and they would put the things on there. And that'd be fine for a while, but eventually by like step 10, they're like, Dad, quit, we can do this on our own. I'm like, okay, cool, against my better judgment. You know, I kind of slide back and let them take over, and so now they're finding the pieces that correspond to the picture, and they're putting together, but what always happens dads or moms in the room. Within a few steps, what's happening? Dad, help. What? Something's wrong. I'm like, what's wrong? Well, this is supposed to look like a spaceship, but it looks like a toaster. We've screwed something up somewhere along the way, somewhere in these steps. And sure enough, always, you go back and look and a piece has been left out. Something has been lost, of course, in every Lego set. You've opened it two seconds ago and there's pieces that are everywhere. And this is exactly what would happen for us. And I feel like in life, this is exactly what Paul's trying to get at. If, If our life is a series of phases, stages, and process, There are things that must take place in order for the next thing to take place. The same thing is true in Legos. If you miss step two, three, and four, good luck in step 10. It won't work out. You'll be missing something. And Paul says if you're going to try to build something of meaning and significance, something that will outlast you, something that will have meaning far beyond you one day when you are gone, then you have to build on the foundation of Jesus Christ because if you build on anything else, it's shifting sand. It cannot hold the weight. So Paul says there's no other foundation that has been laid or should be been laid other than Jesus Christ. And so maybe this morning, you're investing heavily in this thing. You feel like it's time to build something. I would caution you, as Paul would, do not pour yourself into this new endeavor. Do not give yourself to this career, this marriage, this social media presence, this ministry without making sure that Jesus Christ is your highest priority. And the substance of your meaning and your purpose, because nothing else can handle the weight of the building stage. Whatever you're investing in right now, may it be for him and through him. You see, building a business just for profit will never fulfill, and it will never last, and one day you'll have to leave it. Building a marriage without the glue of Christ can suffer in the face of trial and stress that always comes in life. And building a social media following in order to be significant will only leave you empty. The foundation must be Jesus. And please hear me this morning, there is no shame if you're in a place right now and you're like, you know what, maybe I, I should inspect my foundation. Do it. There is no shame in that. What am I building this on? What is all of this resting on? There is no shame in taking some time and asking hard questions. There is no shame in getting good godly counsel from someone. What do you think about this thing that I'm wanting to do, that I'm wanting to pour into, that I really feel is significant? What are you doing? What you're doing may be an important kingdom work. What you're doing may be something that lasts for eternity, and the foundation must be strong. No one can lay a foundation other than that of Jesus Christ. This is Paul's guiding principle in this passage. This is the key to all of it and it ought to be our guiding principle as well. You see, a building stage is not just about answering the question, what is my foundation, though it's first. The second question that must be asked, and I believe Paul would ask as well, is this. Is this time the right time to be building? Is this time the right time to be building? It's not just about your foundation, it's also about your timing. In Ecclesiastes, There's an Old Testament book called Ecclesiastes that is a wisdom book. It's wisdom literature. There's a reason it's called wisdom literature. The writer wrote it as a way of offering wisdom and insight into our lives. It'd be really easy if that uh, insight and wisdom was like A plus B equals C every single time. And if you are a part of the world, you know it doesn't work like that. It's much more complicated. And so this book of wisdom offers us ways to interact with the world in, in the wisest way, the way that honors God and honors people. So Ecclesiastes, in chapter three, the author writes about this whole building stage and recognizing the phases and seasons of life. And here's what the author says. it says, there is a time for everything. Now we've read this in the middle of this series because this is so crucial to the entire series that we're going through. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. There's a season for everything in life. This is a guiding principle for us when we understand this building stage. If it is true there's a season for every stage, a season for everything in life, then perhaps the stage you are in now is not conducive for building. Maybe there's something else that's more important to do at this point in time. Like perhaps the thing that you're pouring yourself into is actually taking away from a work that God is trying to do within your life. Maybe there's some kind of sin that God is wanting to deal with, work with. You're like, no, I want to build this ministry. I want to pour myself into in this kind of way. And God's saying, let's slow up just a little bit. Let's deal with this thing. It'll be a limiting factor if we don't. Let's wrestle here. Maybe it's an exploring stage we need to go through. What do we actually believe to be true? What do we have convictions about? Before we build this thing, let's determine that. Like what's most important? What's priorities? Perhaps the season you are in right now is not the proper time to build. Maybe it's a different time. So I grew up in Indiana, and my dad was a contractor. So through high school, my dad was building houses and barns and so forth in Lafayette, Indiana. And so as a high school kid, I would go to work with him on the weekends or during the week, make a little extra money and to help him out in his business and stuff. And there was one year in particular, I think it was like my junior, senior year of high school, where my dad took on this building project. It was a house in a town next to us, and he took it on right at the very end of fall. And so it was a team of my dad, my grandfather, and I back in the day stellar team, and so we went to go work in this house, and about the end of the fall, we got the foundation done, we got the floor all laid down, and we were about to start framing the house. Um, but if you've ever been to Indiana before, it gets cold, and when I say cold, I mean like cold, like not 60, 70 cold like South Carolina people, like ice, snow kind of cold. And so all throughout the winter, we're supposed to be framing this house, and my job then, I would zip up in my insulated car heart, full suit, gloves, insulated boots, beanie, the whole nine yards. We would show up to this job site, we would get out, and there would be potentially two inches of snow and ice on the floor, and I would have to take the the sledgehammer, the chisel, the pry bar, whatever I needed to use to get all of the ice and snow off the floor before we could build anything. And over and over again, this project, I remember my dad looking at me, and me looking at my dad be like, this is not the right season for this. Like, we should have picked a different time to build this house. And so over every single day, we get out, and I go there, and I'm like, here we go again. I got to break all this stuff up before we can start building anything. It was a process to this thing, and it wasn't the right time. It it wasn't the right season. I'm being really honest with you this morning when I say that Jenna and myself, my wife and I, oftentimes have looked at each other and said to each other, listen, the thing that we really want to do, this is not the right season for that. And I would love to say that I've been the spiritual one in the family and said, listen, honey, I think this is not the right... It's not true. Jenna often is the one saying, listen, we need to slow down here. It's not the right season. I remember a couple of years ago, my wife's a real estate agent, and a couple years ago, she was killing it. Like, it was going awesome. Everything was great. We got pregnant with Murray, and so our last child was coming, and so she was like very pregnant, but still doing the whole real estate thing. And I remember saying to her, I'm like, Jen, this is awesome. Like, you are killing it. You're so good. Things are growing. Build this, build this. And I remember her saying to me, Trevor, I'm not gonna build this right now. So as a spiritual husband, I'm like, but why? That's crazy. Like, things are going great. And remember she said to me, no, I'm not going to build this right now because I'm not gonna sacrifice my family and I'm not gonna sacrifice this newborn child for this business right now. That's not a priority. And so she didn't. You know, I love this church and I've served here for a long time. I love nothing more than pouring myself out for these people, this community, what God is doing here through Mount Horb. I love it. But there have been times in my life, and sometimes painstakingly so, I've had to say to myself, I can't do another thing. Like I've gotta put some boundaries up, I've gotta stop some stuff, I've gotta figure out how to say no to some things because I I will kill myself if I don't. I remember just a year and a half ago, I was in class, I'm working my way through seminary, it's been five long years of seminary, and I would love to be done on top of everything else I do. Oftentimes I'm at home till midnight doing homework, trying to get papers in, do the things, and so about a year and a half ago, I had kinda hit the wall, COVID, you name it, all the stuff, Murray was young, and I just realized I was in the middle of a class that I could not do, because something was going to suffer. It was gonna be my health, or it was gonna be my family, or my ministry and I I couldn't sacrifice any of it. And so, kind of sheepishly, I went to the leadership of the church and said, listen, I got good news and bad news. The good news is, I'm mature enough to know I can't do all this. But the bad news is, we're gonna have to pay for the class anyway if I drop it, and I feel really bad about that. And the church was so gracious to say, no, 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 no. If it's the right thing for you and your family, like, drop it, be done with it. So I did. There's, There's something about having the humility, the honesty, and the boldness to be able to recognize what season we are in in life. And potentially, even though we want to so badly to dream and to grow and to build and to form and to construct, potentially right now is not the right season because there's something else that is of higher importance something else that must be done, something that God is trying to teach, a different stage that we should be in. I'm afraid that there are many of us in the room this morning that are misreading the stage that we find ourselves in. God's trying to deal with sin while we're trying to build something. God's trying to help us explore what we believe to be true and we're trying to forge ahead to dream and to build and to invest. So Paul gives this framework for us in 1 Corinthians. He says at the very beginning, there's a foundation that cannot be built on anything other than Jesus. Also, we have to be sensitive to the season that we are in in life to know when it's time to build. But the third question that Paul brings up that is so important here is in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. After he has the conversation about Jesus and foundation, in verse 12, here's what he says then. Paul writes, if anyone builds on this foundation, the foundation of Jesus, if anyone builds on that foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, and straw, and the big bad wolf and everything, their work will be shown for what it is. You might get that later on on the way home. Because the day will bring it to light. If anybody's gonna build on this foundation no matter what material you use, stuff that'll last and stuff that won't, it'll be shown for what it is as you build. It'll be revealed, he says, with fire, and that fire will test the quality of each person's work. In the end of life, if what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if it is burnt up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one who's escaping the flames. The question we have to ask ourselves here that Paul introduces to us is this. What are we building with, and what are we building for? What are we laying on this foundation that is Jesus. What are we building with? Like, What has God given you? Paul gives some examples. He says we're gonna build with gold and stone and hay and straw and wood. It'll be shown for what it is, but what has God given you? How has he uniquely blessed you, gifted you? What opportunities has he laid into your lap? What things has he uniquely decided to create you with? You see, some of us in the, in the room this morning, We have hammers in our hands, some have screwdrivers, others with other things, and God has blessed you uniquely as the person that you are. Not everyone has the same tools, and in fact, that's the whole point. That we would all work in tandem with God to accomplish the kingdom purposes and the kingdom building. So if you have a foundation that is Jesus, if you've recognized it is the season for building to invest and to grow, then what has God put into your hands? What's he wants you to do based upon what he's given you? Theologian Frederick Buechner says it this way, and it's so perfect. He says, where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet, that is your call from God. Wherever your deep gladness is and the world's deep hunger intersect, that may be God's call on your life. If you wanna build something that lasts and something that's meaningful but you don't know where to start, start there. Like, what do I have? How have I been gifted? What what can I offer? And what does the world need around me? In Lexington, you know there are children who go home on the weekend and do not have food to eat again until school starts on Monday. And think about summer times. You know in this state and many others there are children who are trafficked daily. There are people in Lexington County who have holes in their floors. No heating, no air conditioning. In this community, there are people who are addicted to all kinds of things that could kill them, literally. When we look at this kind of stuff, does it move us in any kind of way? To wonder, maybe this is the deep hunger that the world has. What do I have to offer to meet that? I wanna build that. I wanna build that because I believe it'll, it'll be an investment that matters in the long term. It'll be tested in the fire and shown for the quality of its work. I met with a guy just this week for lunch, a good friend of mine, and he said, you wanna go to Poke Bros? I was like, yes, I will always go to Poke Bros. So we showed up there. Moe's too, don't get too concerned, I love them both. But I showed up there, we had lunch, a great lunch, and we were sitting down talking, and he's like, listen, I, I love my life, and I, I love my job, I love what I do, I'm, I'm good at it, but I just feel like there's more. Like, I feel like there's something else I can do that would really, really matter. Like, what should I do? I said, that's a great question. What do you think you should do? What do you have? What's in your hands? What tools have you been given? You're a great coach, great mentor, how do you do that? Maybe not for a paycheck, but how do you do it with the time so that you know at the very end of your life, I did something that mattered and it'll outlast me. That's the legacy that I'm leaving. In a few short days, we will have hundreds of people who come here to meet thousands of children for Vacation Bible School. And there are people that I see every single year, including myself, who give of their time throughout that week as a crew guide or something else and invest in the lives of children. And there's not a single person that I talk to at the end of Vacation Bible School that says, you know, I would have rather done something else else this week. Every person Says so that relationship I built with that child, that conversation that we had about Jesus, the way that I invested in that life, I mean, that's eternal stuff. That's the kind of stuff that'll be shown in the very end for something that is a quality work, built on the foundation of Jesus. In January, I plan to go back to Liberia, Africa, after a, a visit a couple of years ago with Pastor Jeff, take a group of men to come with me to help build some homes that we've invested in as a church. And this will be a group of people who will go and spend time for a full week in Liberia in some of the worst conditions I've been in, in, a, in a, on a mission trip and pour themselves out because they believe it's something that will be a lasting effect, an eternal reward, something better that we can ever do if we're building just for ourselves. You see, building with these kinds of materials will, will stand the test of time. To invest in the lives of people is always worth it. To build systems that help communities for the long term is always worth it. To have Christ-centered bonds and relationships, those are the things that will last. Those are the things that are worth investing in. So what are you building for? What are you investing in? These are important questions for us to ask. We find ourselves in this particular stage of life. The Bible really offers us two different blueprints to answer this question, two different ways of building. One happens in Genesis in chapter 11 and the other in Ephesians chapter two. They're juxtaposed to, to one another. You see, this conversation about building, constructing, and creating happens over and over and over again, but whenever you hear a discussion about building a house, a tower, and so forth in the New Testament, there's a question as a Bible reader you have to ask, where have we first heard about this stuff? It's called the law of first mention, When you read something in the Bible, it's important to ask the question, where did this happen first? I'll give you an example. When you read about Jesus resurrecting from the dead, where does he resurrect in? It's a garden. Where's the first time we hear about a garden? Genesis and creation. What Jesus is doing is recreating all that's been broken from the beginning of time. And so in this discussion, we have to ask the same question. When it comes to building, where's the first time we hear about this kind of thing? And it happens in Genesis chapter 11. Genesis three, Adam and Eve have sinned. They've disobeyed God and sin has entered the world. And for the corresponding chapters, all the way to chapter 11, we hear about, the writer tells us, that sin is bad. And not just bad for the individual, but bad for all of creation. And it's not just bad right now, but it gets worse and worse and worse. There's a cycle to it and a spiral that only goes downward. And so in chapter 11, we hear this story that is written now that, that shows the crescendo of sin where it all leads to. To which the reader of this book originally would have said, somebody has to do something. This is out of control. And it can never be redeemed, but it is. So in Genesis chapter 11, verse one through four, here's where all of sin ends up and where it goes. Here's what it says. It says, now the whole world had one language and one common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come. Let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Let me go there real quick. Let me read it one, one more time from the from Bible here. Genesis chapter 11, verse 1 through 4, it says Now the whole world had one language, one common speech as people moved eastward. They said to each other, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the earth. So The first place we hear about building is here. It's called the Tower of Babel. You may have heard this story. Now, the problem is, It's not that they're building a city. In fact, if you read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, the whole plan all along was for God to create a city. It starts in a garden and it ends in the city of God. That was the plan. The problem is the city they wanted to build in Genesis 11, it's shown to us the problem in that particular verse when it says, so that we may make a name for who? Ourselves. See, we're building to make a name for ourselves. We're building with mortar and brick to build a tower to the heavens so that we can make a name for us. You see, all of creation at this point in time, though God had made them, given them the mandate to multiply and to steward the earth and move across it in relationship with God and to take it somewhere, is so riddled with sin and disobedience that they've decided to build this city. And they're they're doing it in such a way that does not honor God and does not honor others. Here's the first blueprint that we're given in scripture on how to build and it's measured by two things, ego and pride. This is the measurement to the legend of this particular blueprint. It's the ultimate expression of sin, building for self. Let's make a name for ourselves. There's a couple reasons why we do this. We build in this way oftentimes because, um, because of some kind of sin, brokenness, past hurt, pain. And for some of us in the room, if we're really honest, one of the reasons we don't swing a hammer to construct is because we're too busy having axes in our hands. For some of us, we have an axe to grind with the church, the big C church. There's all kinds of reasons that we get frustrated and angry. This church doesn't play the kind of music that I like. This church doesn't take part in the kind of things that I want them to take part in. This church, it feels like they judge me. It's not diverse enough. It's not inclusive enough. It's not this, it's not that. We have all these different reasons that we can be so frustrated with the church, have an ax to grind with the church that we never actually do anything. Here's what I would say this morning to myself first and foremost. Let's quit complaining and start constructing like, let's quit criticizing. Let's let's get into the fray and be a part of the solution. Let's be a part of what God is trying to build. Not so we can make a name for ourselves, but so we can make a name for him. The other reason I would argue that we oftentimes build with the first blueprint of ego and pride is because oftentimes it's a revelation, ultimately, of what we value most. In the end, we really do want to spend our time, energy, attention, and affection to get that boat, to build that house in that neighborhood, to earn the blue check on Instagram or TikTok, to fill the bank account, or turn our kid into a future NFL or NBA project. I'm just being honest with myself. We're well on our way though, we're doing good. But what happens when all is said and done? Where does it all go? If we build in that manner, in that way, and for that reason, In the end, what does it account for? One of my greatest honors as a pastor at this church is to sit down with a family or an individual and plan a funeral. For someone who knows that they may have days, potentially months before they're done here on this earth, to sit down and pick songs and verses and so forth to celebrate their life, it is sobering. It is heart-wrenching, and it is such an honor to do that. And when I sit down with an individual like this, a family like this, I'll tell you what the conversation is never about. This person is never saying, you know what, I really wish I would have bought that big screen TV. Like if I could go back, I would have just taken more vacations. I wish I would have worked harder for that promotion. I wish I would have you know, spent more time posting stories on my social platform. Like nobody's having that conversation. The conversation is always about this. I wish I would have spent t- more time with my family. I wish I would have said I love you more. I wish I would have served more. I wish I would have invested in friendships and relationships. I wish I had more time to do the things that really matter, the things that will outlive me, outlast me, that will leave a legacy. That's what I wish. That's how the conversation goes. So what are you building with? What are you building for? To make a name for ourselves? Ephesians chapter two offers us another option, a different blueprint that is not marked out by ego and pride, but instead is marked out by something completely different. In Ephesians chapter two, 19 through 21, we have conversation about building once again, and Paul is writing to Ephesus, speaking about this stage of life, this building stage of life, and here's what he says. In Ephesians two, he says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. He's writing to Jews and Gentiles alike who have made the decision to become followers of Jesus. He's like, welcome home. Welcome to the family. No matter who you are or where you've come from, you're a part of the household of God. Then he says this. It is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with who? Jesus Christ himself as the chief what? Cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. So Paul says, hey, welcome to the family. I need you to understand something very important. You are a part of something really great. You are a part of something that's being built right now, and it's being built on the back of the apostles and the prophets, and not just that, but it's built on the back of Jesus himself. You see, what you are a part of as a member of this church, as someone who's giving themselves to the kingdom of God, you are a part of a family that is building up in order to give honor to God. As opposed to the Tower of Babel and the desire to give a name to themselves, our desire is to give a good name to Jesus. And it's built on the back of the apostles, the prophets, and Jesus Christ himself. And Paul says, different from the foundation conversation, but very similar, Paul says, here's who Jesus is. He's the chief Cornerstone. He's the cornerstone of this building that you're a part of. I wanna show you a picture of a cornerstone just so you have a little context. Anyone in the ancient Near East would have known, this is the way things were constructed using mortar and it was was just like this and they would use cornerstone pieces on the side of the building and the cornerstone was to make sure that every other brick, every other piece of material that's being built on had to make sure it was in relation to that stone, to make sure that everything was straight and right to make sure that everything was in intention for the the creation and the building from the very beginning, had to line up with that cornerstone. If it did not, then it was off. That's how you know if you're deviating from the original construction, the cornerstone would reveal this to the builder. And Jesus Christ is that cornerstone. So we can build with ego and pride to make a name for ourselves, or we can build with two different sets of measurement in this particular blueprint it's simply this humility and sacrifice instead of ego and pride it's humility and sacrifice it's in line with Jesus the cornerstone who gave his life death resurrection in order for us to experience new life it's the blueprint for the ways we should live It's the blueprint for building in a way on the foundation of Jesus that makes a difference, has eternal value, and will long outlast us. So what do you want to build? What do you want to invest in? Is the things that you're investing in right now, is it the right time? Is it on a foundation that can hold its weight? Are you using the things God has given you? And are you doing it in a way where it's honoring Jesus, not just self? I stumbled upon this poem this week as I was preparing for this weekend and it was very convicting to me when I read this and I thought to myself I, I, this is how I want to live each day of my life with this kind of understanding this, this framework Here's what this poem said It said as I watched them tear a building down a gang of men in a busy town with a ho heave ho and a lofty yell they swung a beam and the side wall fell I asked the foreman are these men skilled and the men you'd hire if you wanted to build. He gave a laugh and said, no, indeed, just common labor is all I need. I can easily wreck in a day or two what builders have taken years to do. And I thought to myself as I went on my way, which of these roles have I tried to play? Am I a builder who works with care, measuring life by rule and square? Am I shaping my works to a well-made plan, patiently doing the best I can? Or am I a wrecker who walks to town, content with the labor of just tearing down? Oh, Lord, let my life and my labors be that which will build for eternity. See, when Jesus is the cornerstone of our life, when he is the firm foundation that we build on, we can build with full confidence that he will help us labor in such a way where it'll be lasting, it'll be legacy. And it'll be done with Jesus as the mirror of the way we should live our life, by his life, death, and resurrection, humility, sacrifice, broken body, shed blood. That's how we build in such a way where it makes a difference. So this morning, we're gonna take part in the ancient sacrament of communion. To be very clear, God is always with us. We believe that God is especially present in the sacraments as we come to take part in this this morning, recognize that you are brothers and sisters in Christ, a part of God's family, his household, this thing that is being built in order to make all things right once again. Would you pray with me this morning? God, thank you that you have seen so fit to invest in us, to grow in us, to make us the people that you want us to be, Father, thank you for leading us in from stage to stage, season to season. Thank you, God, for being faithful to give us all that we need to do what you want to through us as you do what you want to in us, God. So, Father, I pray for every single person here this morning as we come and partake in your broken body and your shed blood this morning, I pray that we would recognize that you have given yourself that we might build a life that lasts and a legacy with meaning, that we would invest in the things that truly matter. Thank you for your love this morning, God. We love you in return. It's in your name that we pray and everyone said together.